Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we are going to continue our discussion about a variety of different issues that affect all of us as we think about getting older and even end-of-life care. Now last week we were talking about medical aid in dying and what that process is and what some of the most recent statistics are about that. And we're going to be talking tonight with Jeanette Kojane. She is from Kakua Mau, and that is an organization that has as its mission to really help people to feel comfortable and more engaged with end-of-life discussions and ways in which they can support their loved ones who have serious health issues. So thank you for joining me tonight, Jeanette. Well, aloha, Kathy, and thank you so much for the invitation. I'm I'm so glad that we can talk to the very Akamai HPR audience here about some of the opportunities and options that people have in our community. Now, Kakua Mau is an organization that you have been a part of for many years now, and I'm curious, what exactly does Kakua Mau represent, and who does it really help outreach to? So Kukumau is a statewide coalition that has been going for 22 years here in Hawaii. We're kind of a unique organization, and we are a hui, a a gathering of organizations and individuals that are committed to improving care for people with serious illness. So we recognize that it's not easy to talk about serious illness, and most people actually try to try to ignore that. But what we are trying to do is make it the norm to have conversations early so that everyone can be well supported throughout throughout their, um, their illness. And what that means is that we try to, first of all, put people with serious illness and their loved ones, so it's always a, a team approach, put people with serious illness and their loved ones at the center of the work that we do. So we try to get people good information so they understand what decisions they may need to make and then try to help them find resources, especially here in Hawaii, so that they can they can get that care. So we encourage people to go to our website and check out what we have there. It's a very actively managed website. So, for instance, there's good materials there about advanced care planning, that's advanced directives and polls different types of care options that are available to people, and also um, all sorts of things to support uh, people who are trying to care for their loved ones. The second thing Kukua Mau does is really try to help professionals to care well for people with serious illness. So that is another, uh, that's like the second leg of the stool. How do we help people? And again, through our website and through webinars and our newsletter, all sorts of different materials that are available to people uh, across the state. The final thing we look at is um, systems change or policy changes. And, you know, you work in healthcare. If a health plan will pay for something, that makes a huge difference. So we're really interested in any types of policies that can raise all boats. So we really appreciate that, for instance, all the health plans are members of Kukua Mau, as well as the hospitals and hospices. We have uh, one long-term care facility. We have a home health agency. We have a number of people across the state who are really interested in 
raising all boats and making these conversations the norm. So it's like a three-legged stool. You have the patients, you have the professionals, and you have the systems trying to all work together to figure out how to make sure that we can make these types of difficult discussions for people with serious illnesses really a lot easier, more comfortable, more common, so that people don't feel as though this is a discussion that they have to wait to have until something has already happened. So, you know, that's right. So, you know, I want to say I'm a public health person and we are all about preventing crisis. And it's so it's so it's so wonderful when people say, oh, I heard what you said. And actually, I have a we have family friends who went to a presentation at their church. They said, oh, Jeanette, we're coming to your presentation. They brought the whole ohana. They got the conversations going. They had a family reunion. They talked about what does, you know, what does grandpa want? What does grandma want? They got the kids involved. Um, Of course, it wasn't easy, but they could take enough time to get people comfortable. And grandpa died recently. And his wife, his wife of 67 years, Clara, said, you know, it was those Kukuamau conversations that made the difference. Our grandkids were there. They weren't afraid. They knew what to do. People had said goodbye. People had done all of this so early that there was actually laughter, storytelling at the end. So it wasn't a time of crisis, but rather a time of family togetherness, being with each other. It was just so wonderful to hear her say that, that the work that they had done through Kukuamau and using some of these free tools that we had and these conversations, and I hope soon more We'll be doing more things in churches and temples again and other groups to get people talking about it. So she said that those Kukuamau conversations were what helped to have that he could have this, that he could have a, a beautiful passing. So let's talk a little bit about when what the process is. If somebody decides they want to take part in some of these conversations Mm. When we think about some of the difficult discussions that take place, a lot of times it might be around a particular illness or someone gets a diagnosis for which there could be some problems and maybe not waiting until things have gotten really serious is the best time to consider that. But there's a variety of different ways in which people can be supported. And there's a lot of terms these days that we hear about, at least in the medical literature, talking about palliative care. And a lot of times people think that's the same as hospice, but you're here to tell us it's not and help illustrate the difference. That's right. You know, and again, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to talk about uh, what palliative care actually is, because there is a lot of misunderstanding. And um, I'm really glad you also, you started with communication because that is something that is crucial really for all of us. Nobody gets a pass on this. Thinking about what matters to us, what's important to us, having our loved ones understand that. And I know you're going to talk to my colleague, Hope Young, about uh, advanced care planning, but the process beginning that early is really important. And it's really important for palliative care as well. So, Palliative care is a type of medical care that treats the symptoms and stress of a serious illness. We like to think of it as an extra layer of support for people who, are, who have been diagnosed with a serious illness. 
So it's actually a team approach, and usually on the team is a doctor, nurse, social worker, and a chaplain. Those are like the key people. And the palliative care team will then coordinate with the other doctors that a person has. So let's say that someone has has a serious cancer diagnosis. Well, the palliative care team can work with the oncology team as well as the PCP, other you know primary care providers, to coordinate the type of care that the person is receiving. And again, back to the communication, it's really important that people have, are having conversations about what's important to them so that the care and treatment plan can be, can be created that is in keeping with their wishes. So this palliative care is available um, in a number of different settings in Hawaii. It can be either inpatient, outpatient, or in the home. And we're really trying to build right now that in-home palliative care piece. So one important part about palliative care is that people can be getting curative treatments while they're also receiving palliative care. So again, with our cancer um, example, people can be getting chemotherapy, but also be getting that extra layer of support that, that palliative care brings. And that would be, for instance, help with managing um, physical symptoms. Do they have pain, shortness of breath, nausea, those types of, of very common symptoms palliative care can help to manage. But then there's also emotional suffering or spiritual suffering that people, that people can feel, and that is another thing that palliative care can do. So, you know, people will say, well, why is God abandoning me? Why have I been subjected to this? So, excellent. There's a, these are really important questions, and there could be a chaplain or other people on the team who can help with that emotional support around who's going who's gonna to take care of my kids, how does this work with my health insurance. And then finally, also logistical things like I mentioned about transportation, housing, all sorts of other things that usually the social worker that's part of the palliative care team is an expert at. So if we take a step back and we think, how do we improve quality of life for people with palliative care or for people with serious illness? That's where palliative care comes in. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Jeanette Kojane from Kakua Mao about some of the options in palliative care and how that differs from and complements the idea of of hospice and when and if that is part of the conversation, how to make that transition. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and tonight I'm talking with Jeanette Kojane from Kakua Mau, and we're discussing what the role is of this wonderful supportive organization and how they help to bring the three important aspects of of care to patients, providers, and different systems in the community, not just hospital systems, hospice systems, etc., and how we can all come together to help make people who unfortunately are dealing with a serious illness have a slightly easier time. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about palliative care, and 
Jeanette, you mentioned that this is usually available in hospitals and you're looking at trying to have this available in homes and there may be a team of people involved. You mentioned that there would be a physician, a nurse, a social worker, a chaplain, and that they would all try and provide this extra layer of services, this extra layer of support that might be necessary when someone's dealing with a major serious illness. And sometimes this might get diagnosed when they're in the hospital or when they've been seen for something in the clinic and, and an answer has occurred with a biopsy or some other some other medical condition that gets further defined with testing. So when that happens, this would be an extra layer of assistance. But there may be some folks for whom their condition is expected to potentially cause them to lose their ability to live in the next six months, and then they might qualify for hospice services. Now, that's often a difficult time transitioning between the two, but they're very, they're similar but different offerings. What is the difference between palliative care and hospice, and does one generally lead potentially to the other one? So this is an excellent question. So as I said, palliative care can be, you, people can be getting palliative care while they're still getting curative treatments. And it's the, the there is, um, there's a wide variety of different uh, conditions that you can, you can have and still qualify for, for palliative care. But the, one of the key differences with hospice is that if you're in hospice care, you have a six month prognosis, but that you've stopped the curative treatment. And then the focus is then on comfort measures. So hospice really is the gold standard of how to care well for people at the very end of life. So I really encourage um, people to learn more about hospice, figure out what that is long before you need that. Uh, We have excellent hospices in the state. Um, Every part of our state, you're able to access hospice care And um, on this island, on Oahu, we actually have five uh, very well-respected hospices, so you can can choose. On our website, we have some, on the Kukuma website, we have some tools that can help you choose a hospice, figure out what questions to ask. My advice really is for people to understand what hospice is long before you need it. One of my friends, Phyllis, was caring for two elderly aunties. And she said, you know, if I, I, I appreciate that hospice is, is what we're going to do, but I don't really know that much about it. So she went on the website, she watched some of the videos, and then she interviewed a couple of hospices. So when the time came, she knew who to call, she knew what they were going to offer, and that's really what I recommend. And, you know, hospice, if you're going to hire them, you know, bring them into your home to care for someone, you want to know who the team is, who's going to come and help you out. Um, so that's what I recommend that people do. So again, it's a team approach that does all sorts of, um, that can, you know, again, most of the hospice is at home and people think that it's a place where they have to go away to, but more than 90% of hospice is at home. So I think that's important for people to know, but then there are the, there are facilities where people can be getting hospice care so it's all about what you're, what's right for you, what's right for your family, how is that going to work. And so hospice, again, hospice is the gold standard, really the way care should be. It's often very frustrating for people when they finally get their loved one into hospice. It's like, wait, why couldn't I have had this earlier, which is really what we are 
what we're trying for. So I really hope that people will be brave and learn about hospice early, talk to their loved ones early about what hospice is. And I will say also, talk to your doctor and say that you're you're not afraid of hospice. You're not afraid of having your doctor talk to you about what hospice care is, because sometimes physicians are are concerned that they'll they'll um, their patients don't want to hear about it. So I think that we all have a, a role to play. It's important to be advocates and learn what hospice actually is. So if I could summarize, one of the things that you mentioned is that the difference between palliative care and hospice care may be the intent of what you're doing. So with palliative care, this could be that you're doing chemotherapy, you're still treating your illness, but you're trying to palliate some of the symptoms, either of the treatment or of the condition itself. When you're talking about hospice care, then there is not an intent or a thought that this that the treatments could be curative because it's been defined by whatever the illness is, that it will not respond to treatments. And there's an expectation of potentially six months or less to live. That hospice level care could be provided in a facility. It could also be provided in a, in a home that could be provided in variety of different settings. And it's really about having the same team members, a physician, a nurse, a social worker, and a chaplain who provide some additional type of support and maybe slightly altered based on the fact that hospice is dealing with more of a terminal situation as opposed to potentially palliating symptoms. Would that be correct? I would give you an A plus on that one. You did. They're very good. Uh, that's a very good um, delineation between the two. So the um, and, you know, we really we want people to understand what care options there are and and really learn about them ahead of time. And I would send people to our Kukuama website. So, for instance, there are um, patient stories where we're they're talking about what palliative care did. There's another one about what hospice does. You can you know, it's always much better to get uh, peers to talk about uh, what's what is actually what what happens in palliative care. And I'm going to shout out to uh, a woman named Andrea, who we have included a, a story that she tells on our website. That was part of a recent webinar helping uh, people with cancer to understand what palliative care is. And Andrea just does an amazing job of talking about how palliative care helped her, her family. It was her husband, Lance, who had cancer. And they were in palliative care for a number of years before, unfortunately, the cancer took a turn for the worse. And then he was in hospice care before he died. So some some people will uh, be in palliative care and then they get better and they don't need hospice. And other people, when the serious illness gets worse, then they can transition into hospice. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion and talk a little bit about some of the misunderstandings that might occur with palliative care or hospice and how we can educate folks to understand what the difference is and also make the conversation less less of a scary discussion to have amongst loved ones and family members and even with their physicians. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian motor experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I'm joined by Jeanette Kojane of Kakua Mau, and we're talking a little bit about palliative care and hospice. What are the differences, and how can we make the conversation discussing these very important topics, a little less frightening to people, either amongst their family, their loved ones, or even coming to see their provider. So what we can do, perhaps, Jeanette, is I'll explain a couple of things that I've noticed from patients over the years who have come to me. And one of some of the questions that they had about the difference between the two, and you can help educate all of us about what that means. So We'll start off because I think sometimes people feel as though if they want to consider some of these additional services, it would be having a physician available, having a nurse able to come to the home, assess a variety of different medical symptoms they may have, having a social worker, having a chaplain. These would be services that potentially could be available for both palliative care and hospice, would the team members be the same? I've had some folks tell me that they thought maybe the team members might be different folks, and they were a little concerned that they would lose that connection they've had with some of the folks who they had been they had been receiving care for the last months, if not years. Are the team members different, or could they be the same? So that actually depends on which agency you um, you choose. Uh, some agencies will have uh, the same team that stays with the patient throughout, and other agencies will have different ones. So that's something to ask about when you're interviewing the the different agencies that you um, you know that that you can consider. So we like to say that there's a the palliative care agencies also usually are providing hospice care, but they recognize that these are very that they're quite different in the sense that palliative care, people who are getting palliative care could really be receiving curative treatments, so therefore have a number of other complexities and layers uh, that of coordination that's needed, as opposed to hospice, where the curative treatments are no longer happening and the focus is on comfort. So I think that that's a really good example of one of the things you can ask an agency when you're finding out what those what those services are and again i for us one of the it's just so painful when people say no i waited i waited and i'm sorry that i waited do it early move the conversation upstream use some of the resources that kukua mau has to free resources to start these conversations so that you can you can begin and most everybody is waiting for somebody else to start. So that's my first tip is really think about this for yourself and then be helping your others, other people. So kind of like in the airplane, you put on your oxygen mask first and then you help others. It's not fair to say, Oh, uncle, you're not doing so well. I think you should do this. No, no, we all need to do that. And so we actually have these toolkits that one is for you, that's a starter kit. Another one is how to choose an agent. And the other one is how to talk to your doctor. So not all doctors are comfortable with these conversations. So uh, that's actually a really interesting one, how to put your thoughts down to, to talk to your doctor. And the other 
piece that we would love is if you would ask us to come for free and talk to your group. So that could be a church, it could be a temple, it could be some sort of other support group, people that get together in different ways. It could be a talk at work. We like to go out and talk to people um, early so that they can understand. And then what happens all the time, especially here in Hawaii, is people will say, oh, does my 97-year-old mom need this information? Well, good that you're here because, yes, you can take this home. So we really try and we try and to move the conversation upstream, make it less scary. Uh, so that's one of the things that we are really trying to focus on. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times that people often regret waiting so long. And I think if we look at national statistics, it seems like more people enroll in hospice within the last two weeks of life, even though hospice technically is something that you can take uh, advantage of some of the benefits for up to six months, if not sometimes longer. So why would people wait so long when you hear them suggest that maybe they wish they hadn't waited so long? Do you think Mm -hmm. it has to do with the discomfort of having the conversation? Absolutely. I think that's part of it. They're uncomfortable with the conversation. It's, you know, none of us want our loved ones to die. We want them to be with us. We don't want, we don't want them to die. But if we take a deep breath, we know that all of us only have so much time. And I think that these conversations and, and shows like yours can help people to recognize that what we're really trying to do is care well for people, emphasize the quality of life. And with anything, with more information, we're able to make better decisions. We're able to give better advice. So I think part of it is people are afraid. They're afraid that they're, you know, people are going to get upset because they're suggesting it. But also they may just not know what's available. Most people only have a couple of experiences with end-of-life care. And if those weren't good experiences, then it makes it does make sense that they wouldn't be um, leaning into that. So I think that it's so important for people to learn early, to understand what those options are. And I think it's important to recognize that we're all human. Doctors are human, too. So if we're waiting for our doctor to bring it up, that's not good. We should be thinking about it. Or else if we're saying, oh, you know, whoever, the daughter-in-law didn't bring it up, my mom didn't bring it up, okay, no, no. Let's say, okay, we need to bring it up. Let's be starting these conversations. And, you know, I've worked in this field for a long time, the field of caring for people with serious illness. And I will say over and over again, having the conversation, it's like a relief. And you can then move on to other things so that the big elephant in the room can can make its way outside and we can come back to spending quality time, laughing, figuring out what's important that that is what can, those conversations are so much easier, um, you know, once you begin. So, again, starting conversations early is so important. Well, and from the physician perspective, I can guarantee you that if patients bring it up first, it always makes it easier and that physicians are never disappointed if patients want to have that discussion because sometimes we're afraid to broach the subject of what happens if you don't get better because that could 
potentially rankle the family members who were there or make someone very upset. So we often really do encourage patients to bring this up and never, I, I never feel bad. I always feel somewhat relieved that someone has thought about the potential eventuality that they may not do well. So encouraging patients and their providers to also be open to that discussion. Now, I want to give us just a few. We have about just about 30 seconds left, Jeanette. If people wanted to look up, you've referenced the website a few times. How could they find that? Where would they get more information? So it's very straightforward. It's kokuamau.org, K-O-K-U-A-M-A-U dot O-R-G. And there's also, as I said, there's all sorts of good free information there. And then you can always reach out to us through the website. Um, you can also call 585-9977. All right. Well, I do want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. That's Jeanette Kojane from Kakua Mao. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about ways to stay well and have difficult conversations if we need to. That's right here on Mondays on The Body Show. We'll see you then.